0: Not long ago, uh, I went to a men's conference with my son-in-law over in Raleigh and a fellow by the name of Paul Newby. He is a justice on the North Carolina Supreme Court. And he gave some statistics that that day that I thought was just absolutely mind boggling. And I want to share those with you. He said that 50,000 people a year die here in North Carolina to opioids. Think about that, 50,000. Over one-third more of that died to alcohol. Now, preacher, you know I'm against alcohol and I'm against drugs, and I believe with all of my heart they are absolutely destroying our children. He said that at Harvard Law School, out of a class of 1,500 students, over a half of them were clinically depressed. Imagine that, 1,500 Harvard Law School Uh, 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 students going to be lawyers uh, are depressed he said again 87 people in north korea were killed in the month of february just because of having a few scriptures in their possession we walk into church with our bibles we have bibles on our pew we have bibles in our homes and we take that for granted He also made a a few other comments I want to share before we look into the Word of God. He said that he believes, and again, he is on the North Carolina Supreme Court. He's going to be running for the Chief Justice this year. He said that he believes that within the next 10 years, we will be forced by our government to celebrate, not tolerate, alternative lifestyle and abortion at any stage. He says he believes that churches will be charged with hate crimes if we do not accept that within Ten years. I find that very uh, mind boggling. A couple of other things he said. He said right now in California, a child at the age of 12 can get free counseling to change gender ID without parental consent. Think about that. He also said in California right now, it is against the law for a pastor to counsel a young man or young woman about biblical gender ID. Now you say preacher, why do you share that with us? Well, I believe that America is in a crisis. I believe that we are definitely in a crisis in our country. We're in a moral crisis. Uh, we have turned against God as a whole, and I believe that the chastisement of God will be upon this country if we don't turn around. Tonight I want, to, I, I want to look at this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 3. If you'll turn there, we'll begin in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think that's a strange time to go to church, but they were on their way to church. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seen Peter and John about to go unto the temple ask at alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said look on us and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them but y'all know what verse 6 says Peter then Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them unto the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, Who's he speaking to here? He's speaking to Jews. He said, Why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy one and the just and desired a murderer be granted unto you and killed the Prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Church, I believe that we need to realize the power of Christ still works i remember when i was 15 years old and i had a invitation from a little girl in high school that i had a crush on and she wanted me to go to revival and i went to that free will baptist church i came out of assembly of god i thought free will baptist churches were dead i didn't care what anybody believed at that church i went to sit beside this little girl and i sit there on sunday night and monday night and tuesday night but on wednesday night something began to change the Holy Ghost of God began to convict my heart, to draw me uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I got out of that church that night. I went home and I laid in my bed and I, I looked at, out the window. The wind was blowing and I said, Lord, if you'll let me get back to that little church tomorrow night, I promise you I'll get right with you. And the Lord allowed me to be at that church on Thursday night. And when the, when the invitation was given, I hit the altar. And preacher, when I got up from that altar that night, guess what? I had a love for everybody. I didn't care whether he's bald-headed I didn't care whether he's wide-headed I didn't care whether he's young I didn't care whether he's old I didn't care whether he was skinny or fat. I wanted to hug everybody because we have a theological term called regeneration. It is that instantaneous moment when the Holy Ghost of God moves into a sinner and changes him from a sinner to a saint. Have you had that experience? Have you had have you, have you had a time in your life where you knew that the Holy Spirit of God had convicted you and you yielded your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you became one of His family? Let's notice this crisis here in the, in the New Testament. First of all, let's notice the companions. Here is Peter and John and they're on their way to church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's talk about Peter and John. Isn't it ironic how the Lord puts people together who have various uh, d- differences of personality? If you know me and my wife, my wife, she's laid back. Me, I want to get everything done today. I'll say, we got to get this done. She'll say, oh, we can wait until tomorrow. We Our personalities are totally different. But you know what? God puts people together with different personalities. And Peter and John was, 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 was just that. They were different. Let's talk about Peter, first of all. He was the most prominent of the 12 apostles. Uh, he was zealous. He was eager. He was impulsive. He was energetic. And he was aggressive. And can I tell you something, preacher? If you've got that kind of personality, it will get you in trouble every time. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and I've been I've been a Peter, and guess what? I found myself in trouble from having that type of personality. But John was different. John was the, he was the apostle whom Jesus loved. If you see the picture of the Lord's Supper, you will see uh, someone laying over on the bosom of Jesus, and that is John the Baptist. Uh, he was greatly loved by the Lord. And by the way, the Lord had three inner circle of friends, Peter, James, and John. And you know what? All of us need friends. Your pastor needs friends. Deacons, you need friends. Uh, All of us need friends. And Jesus had three very special close friends. They were near Jesus at the Transfiguration. They were near Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter and John were pillars in the church. Even though they were very different in personalities, they were unified. Think about this. Peter and John had worked together uh, as partners in the fishing business. Peter and John was at the last Passover with Jesus. They both ran to the empty tomb at that first Easter morning. And here they are on their way to church. They're devoted to God. They're devoted to the ministry that God has called them to. But guess what? They didn't have any money. But here was a guy. He was laying at the gate and he was begging. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John. You know what they did? They were on their way to church. They didn't have any money in their pocket. And they saw somebody in need. They fastened their eyes on him. What did Peter say to him? Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see... Almsgiving was of two different kinds. There was alms of the dish where food and money was received for uh, daily for distribution. And then there was alms of the chest where coins were received on the Sabbath for widows and orphans and strangers and the poor. All this man cared about was he was there begging. He had a need. And here were two companions that God put together to take care of this man. So in our crisis, guess what? God has put you where He wants you to help other people. And God has seen fit to put this church here and this ministry here to serve people in this community. Second of all, in this crisis, you will find that there was a crippled man. If you go back to chapter 4, you will find that this man had been crippled for since birth. Over 40 years. Think about it now. Over 40 years, this man had never had muscles in his legs. The bones in his legs had not worked. And the Bible says in verse 2, it says, From his mother's womb he was carried, and he was laid daily at the gate of the temple. And what was he placed there? To ask alms of them that entered. So he knew where the people were going to be. He knew the place where he wanted to be, to be to be located. And notice the position. He's laying there. What's he doing? He's doing what a beggar does. He's pleading for alms. Well, Peter and John came by, and of course, Peter said, uh, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing now, don't have any money. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now think about this. In verse 5. He, the beggar, gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. But guess what, church? He received something that day that he wasn't expecting. He was expecting silver and gold, but guess what he got that day? He got a touch from the Lord. Forty years, this man had never walked. But notice what happened in verse 7. Peter put his hand out, took him by the right hand, and lifted him up. And guess what happens? Immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Can you imagine never having walked in 40 years, being carried and laid at a gate, and all of a sudden one day a man says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all of a sudden you have strength, you're have, you able to stand. And the Bible says he stood and walked, and guess what he did? He entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God walking and leaping and praising God. You know, sometimes we come to church and sometimes we come out of obligation. Sometimes we come out of duty. Well, I better go to church today or brother Christian's going to be looking for me. I better go to church today. I've got to teach that Sunday school class. If you have breath in your body and you have muscles and you have strength in your legs to walk, you ought to be walking and leaping and praising God said, I'm happy to go to the house of God. You see, I want you to notice what he did. He was thankful and he praised God. It says all the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God. So first of all, we've noticed the companions. And second of all, we've noticed the cripple. But I want you to notice the crowd now. Can I tell you something? When the Lord comes into your heart, the crowd is going to be watching you. And you are going to have an influence for good or bad on the crowd. Let's notice what happens here. It says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. Can you imagine? Here this man had never walked, and here he is walking and leaping and praising God. He's in the temple thanking God. He fixes his eyes upon Peter and John. No doubt he looked upon them and admired them for what had just happened to him. And the Bible says, And all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering." In the New Testament, when a miracle happened, uh, it caused people great amazement. Uh, you know, sometimes today we'll see uh, on TV, we'll see someone who's supposed to have uh, the gift of healing. We'll call them faith healers. And sometimes someone will come to a service and they'll have this crutch and and uh, they'll put money in this offering plate as seed money. And then this, this guy will breathe on them and they'll throw their crutch up there. You see, we never know whether that guy ever actually had a problem and even needed a crutch. But in this passage of Scripture here in the book of Acts, this man had never walked for 40 years and they knew he had not walked and he had been laid at that gate and now all of a sudden he is walking and leaping and praising God and they go to Solomon's porch and they are greatly wondering what in the world has happened. But you know we talked about Peter. He's very courageous and he answered the people. He looked at these people who were Jews. He said, you men of Israel. Now, you know what he does to them? He preaches a very courageous message. Let's notice what Peter says. He says, "Why? I'm going to paraphrase this. Why do you marvel at us? Why do you look upon me and John as though by our own power or our holy living, we made this man to walk? I want you to know who, who Peter gets credit to, verse 11. He says, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when Pilate was determined to let him go. And you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. I want you to think about that. Peter is looking at these people and he is telling them, it's not me. Folks, I want to tell you something. If this church... If it grows and doubles by this time next year, the preacher will probably get the credit. If this church loses a lot of people, sometimes the pastor will be discredited. But I've got news for you. It's not the pastor. It's not the deacons that grows the church. It is the Holy Spirit of God that works through pastors and deacons to touch people's heart, to bring them to a saving knowledge. And we all have a free will and we can choose which way we're going to go. But listen, I believe in this passage of scripture, when when uh, Peter is speaking to them about this uh, this man being being uh, touched, I believe it's a picture of salvation. Now you say, what do you mean by that, Brother Carl? Well, first of all, we are born like this man, lame. When I say this word lame, I've always been able to walk ever since I was uh, born. But what I want to say by this, this tonight is all of us have been born unable to walk to please God. You and I cannot reform ourselves. We cannot lay aside this or that or the other to, to fall in favor with God but the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of worthless, any man should boast. So just like this lame man, all of us are born unable to walk to please God. Second of all, this man was poor. And you and I have a sin debt that we were born with. And because of that sin debt, guess what? We're in bondage to that debt. But Jesus Christ because He is the Son of God, uh, He is our Redeemer. He came to pay your sin debt on Calvary's tree. He laid His life down to pay that sin debt and He paid it in full. And bless the Lord today, you and I have the grace of God upon us because our we are not bankrupt before God now. Our sin debt has been paid by Jesus Christ. This man also was laying outside the temple and all sinners are separated from God no matter how hard they try to be good or do good works to go to heaven. You can put money in the offering plate. You can teach a Sunday school class. You can drive a bus, church bus. That won't get you to heaven. You can be a good person, never touch alcohol, never touch drugs, be a moral person. That won't get you to heaven. What will get you to heaven is being convicted of your sins, realizing that you're lost, and accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ and who he is. That's what gets us to heaven. And then also, this man was healed holy. He was healed holy. He had never walked. You know what? Here he is walking and leaping and praising God. And because of the work of Jesus Christ, guess what? We have salvation. We have deliverance from the bondage of sin. And then I like this part. This man could now stand. I want to ask you a question tonight, church. How are you standing? Are you standing strong tonight? I have, I have a son-in-law and he's uh, he's 29 years old. and He told me, he said, he said I don't like watching the news. He said, when I watch the news, he said, the devil uses that to discourage me because all I see on, on the news is bad stuff. You know what I told him? Man, I watch the news all the time and I'm encouraged because you know what I believe? I believe that the Bible is being fulfilled every day. I believe, again, that this country is in a crisis and we are seeing a crisis going on right before us that God is doing his work. And guess what? He's coming back. And guess what? Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, you have eternal life through Him. You have heaven as your home. So today, we have looked at some characters in this crisis. We have noticed the companions, Peter and John. We saw how they were friends and how God used them. We saw the crippled man who is a picture of us without Christ. And then we see the crowd. I want to ask you a question uh, to you as individuals. how 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 is your influence? How is your influence in your family? How is your influence in your community? When your kids look at you, Dad, when your wife looks at you, when your mother and father look at you, when people in your community look at you as a Christian, what kind of influence, what kind of influence do you have? Is it Christian influence or is it ungodly influence? The way we act and react, the way we live our lives says who we really are in this passage of scripture. I'm thankful that God touched this crippled man. And you know what God wants to do tonight? He wants to touch you. If you're here tonight, and you're not saved. He wants to touch you. The Holy spirit of God's touching your heart tonight, making you to realize that you're lost and you need Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you've drifted away from the Lord. And the Holy Spirit of God has touched your your heart in this message and you realize that you need to come back and you need to repent and do your first works over. Guess what He'll do? He'll take you and He'll change you. He'll put you on that straight and narrow road. And guess what He'll do? He'll lead you all the way to heaven.